Welcome to the Gals Guide to the Galaxy podcast, where a group of gals gather for you one cool thing around our topic of the month. Is it ancient history? Is it breaking news? Is it safe for work? Well, that's up to each gal. All we know is that... Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. Welcome back. I am Leah and I am joined by Bonnie and Katie and Mary and we are talking about our one cool author gal. So Bonnie already talked about Cokie Roberts, uh, but before we dive back in, let's get to know something random about our gal pals. So I want to know, ladies, have you ever thought of writing a book or have you ever written a book? Dun, dun, dun. Well, I've been part of an anthology. That counts. And uh, I got with my Sherlock Holmes groups, and I get the email one day and said, would you like to contribute? And the topic we want you to write on is how Sherlock Holmes is like Mr. Darcy. Yes. And I thought, that's awesome. <laughs> and in a typical writer's, you know, stance, I waited and thought about it and thought about it and waited and then i get a deadline and oh crap now i have to write oh yeah just like any other author and and then you write sit, to the deadline you know, yeah and then you, know, you can write stuff out and type it up and and oh. a great editor because he caught a rather you know obvious typo um did you where, know that secrets and secretes is only one letter different um, <laughs> Irony and iconic. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, those that, are different words. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. That, it, it, we wanted to go with iconic. Luckily, he caught that. He you found know, the I, and that's what I thought. I typed, but no. Happens. But uh, no, it was it was a lot of fun. I and uh, it was exciting when you get a book and you're yeah. in. Yeah, like, hey, look, I read a book. I read a book. Oh, that's fantastic. What about you, ladies? Any secret books? No secret. Well, when I was <laughs> little, I remember going into the office with my mom on like a Saturday and I had my my buddy, the next door neighbor kid, Lindsay, with me. Mm-hmm. I remember we played on the typewriters. Oh, and yes. Typed up a story. Like she wrote it and I illustrated it. Very nice. I found oh, nice. it like a year or two ago. Oh. And there's like a page that's upside down because we like stapled it together and stuff. <laughs> oh. I gotta figure out what I do with it and like mail it to her because it's hilarious. Exactly, it's gonna be in the Bonnie Museum. No, (laughs) no, I've never thought about like writing a book. Um, I'm very fortunate. There's like if there weren't so many like women's history books out there, Mm -hmm. I feel like I would definitely be writing one. Yeah, Uh, something probably like the um, rejected princesses or something. Oh, those are great. It's a blurb. And an illustration mm-hmm. kind of a thing. Yes. Um, I've been toying with my my hundred uh, suffragists to do a like book because you know yes originally I was supposed to have like a gallery show <laughs> right? and then twenty twenty happened, but a lot of these museums and stuff are pushing back their celebrations, so maybe stuff will happen. Maybe. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, I mean the history is always going to be there. We're still going to want to know about our suffragettes. Yeah. Yeah. So there, that may be in the works. I have that no, could be I haven't so even cool. started on what all I need to do for that. Right. Just concentrate on the writing yeah. and I'll just cheerlead. That, <laughs> I mean, but I got to finish all the paintings too. So. There's that, yeah. you know, one or the other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or both in, you know, due time and that sort of thing. I look at my calendars. <laughs> I don't know if that counts. That's like Little Bird. It is publication. Kind of. 
There you go. <laughs> it's printed. It's, it's printed. printed. It's a printed thing. It's got words and pictures on yes. it. <laughs> it's got a cover and a back cover. <laughs> Miss Katie, have you ever thought of writing a book? Because I would totally buy it. <laughs> yeah. There's that time you tried to get me to write a cookbook. Yes. Ooh. I still want you to write a cookbook. <laughs> I still think you would have like the best cookbook uh, ever. Because it would be stuff that people would actually want to eat. <laughs> Maybe. Not my son. <laughs> Maybe the rest of you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> then write it for us, Katie. <laughs> well, Bonnie made me think with what you were sharing about how when I was in elementary school, mm-hmm. something I wrote won an award. Oh, Ooh, you're yeah. an award-winning I'm writer. <laughs> award-winning writer. Yes. I wrote about adopting a cat from a pet shop named Snowball. Oh, nice. is this based on yeah. a true story or no, is this a fiction story? Oh, 100% something I willed into existence but <laughs> did not. I wanted okay. to exist, but was unable to will into uh, existence. You but, were you know, trying. I was trying. Yeah. It was blackmail, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> but you still won an award. Yeah. You're award like, this is a award-winning story, parents. Buy yeah. me the damn cat. <laughs> and then in high school, I did journalism, and my favorite was also was always writing opinion pieces Ooh, or reviews. Nice. So I don't know if I'm like, yeah, I don't know. There you go. One Maybe day. someday. Maybe someday. I like it. Maybe it's inside here somewhere. Yes. <laughs> Oh, too fun. Um, I do have a few books. I don't know. I always push it to the wayside. I have like four books out under Kate Chaplin, my old my old life stage name persona sort of thing. Um, but I do I do want to write more books. I want to write more women's history books and get those out there and find new ways to make history really important and relevant. I'm working on a book that is life skills, how uh, history can actually be a life skill. Um, how it can be almost like a self-help tool and teach you how to, you know, navigate your life and see hits and misses and stuff like that. Well, it's so. amazing. I find it interesting just looking at like Facebook memories. Yeah. And I have like 12 years on there. So I look at it each day and I realize five years ago I did, I was at the dentist the same day I was at the dentist this year. Exactly. There's, there's history. There's, there's a repeating. Yes. And, and sometimes, um, you know, Having that repetition, mm-hmm. there's, there's safety in it. Yeah, and a soothingness, too. Yeah, yeah it's like, yeah. this feels right for some reason. Oh, yeah, because I always do this every year. Right. <laughs> Except for this year. <laughs> right, uh, well, yeah. yes, this, this year. year. This year, it's a, we can't get... Well, at least the first two months, we were good, and then things kind of... And then out. it all went, yeah. It all went interesting. Tipsy-turvy, sideways. Uh, well, my one cool thing, I'm actually... Uh, the gal that I'm going to talk about... Her second book, I'm actually in the dedication. Oh. I've had a book I've been in the dedication. <gasps> You've been in a dedication? Yes, it's so much fun when it you wrote the book. It's like, oh. So uh, every now and again, I have to kind of like re-remind myself of kind of like the premise of the show, which is the bringing like one cool thing to the table. Because a lot of times like, oh, this is somebody I could talk about or this is somebody I want to research or you know what I mean? It's just kind of like, ooh, this seems interesting. I always tell guests when they come on, like, how do you pick? Like, think about if you were going to tell your best friend one cool thing about one cool pirate gal or one cool African gal or one cool author, who would you tell, you know, your best friend about? How would you pick that way? Uh, So in my case, I chose my previous best friend to then tell my best friends. (laughs) Uh, So I'm going to talk about my cool author gal, which is Deborah Kemp. So glorious, Deborah Kemp. Katie, you remember Debs? I remember Debs. Yeah. Bonnie, did you ever meet Debs? I remember Debs, but uh, 
I still haven't met Phoebe in person. Well, there's that. She lives in Pennsylvania, so that that could be why it's a little bit harder. I'm not even sure if you've met Deborah Kemp. She came so. to Starbase every now and again, okay. but she was more at In Conjunction than anything well, else. and I love In Conjunction. She was always in the Doctor Who room. I spent a lot of time in the Doctor you Who room. You guys have probably you know been why? in the Doctor Who room together. Free treats. Yeah, exactly. That's and, where we would have lunch. Yeah. We'd have lunch in the Doctor Who room. Yeah, you'd watch <laughs> Doctor Who. It's not the only time I would watch Doctor Who is when i go in there. Mm-hmm. Have, a, have a nosh. Yeah. Um, if... There's a couple episodes that, you know, you come out and you've got your mascara running Right, your of face. course. Yes. Damn it, I hate it when Doctor Who makes me cry. Always. And I'm like, I'm going to the next panel. You can't drink. Yeah, I'm fine. Exactly. Doctor Who. <laughs> it was just Doctor Who, guys. It was just Doctor Who. <laughs> so I will tell you about my glorious friend. Uh, she was born in Da Region. That's what she always called it, by the way. Da Region. Da yeah. Region is da region. Highland, Indiana. It's up near Gary and Chicago, yeah. and it's kind of the yeah. armpit of the Midwest there, right in there. Just don't say that so, to people from Da Region. Da Region, right, exactly. It's only people who've escaped from Da Region uh, tend to call it that. Uh, as a kid growing up, she was drawn to history and to writing. Those were her two favorite things. Uh, what people now call fan fiction is what she was doing in the 60s. Uh, she would start to add her own characters and situations to existing things that she saw either in books or in movies. She'd like, she wouldn't necessarily write herself into them, but she would just like write a new character that was kind of like, I think this story needs this character in it. Uh, but one day she saw the movie Camelot and in it uh, uh, author author there we go I always say author and art I'm gonna mess it up uh, but he tells one of the younger characters carry on the tale of Camelot and never have it be forgot uh, so Debs always says I was young I was impressionable and I took that to heart so she became like obsessed with King Arthur <laughs> so she went to this place called a library And she learned everything that she could on King Arthur. And there's a lot. I mean, they've been writing King Arthur stuff since like the 11th century. And they write it and they rewrite it and they do like archetypes on it and stuff like that. So there's fiction, there's nonfiction, there's reimagining, there's continuing, there's, you know, what if scenarios. There's just tons and tons of uh, King Arthur stuff. So she was 13 years old when she actually asked herself one very simple question uh, and it ended up putting her on a lifelong quest. And her one question was, what if King Arthur had a daughter? That's what she wanted to know. She's like, how would that look with the Knights of the Round Table and just filled and filled with all these guys in this King Arthur? And then, of course, Guinevere. (laughs) Right, exactly. It's like, what in the world would it look like? So she started writing a story when she was 13 (laughs) of this glorious little story. And it had a really rocky start. Because she did the formulaic stuff. Like she had arranged marriages and having her do all the girly stuff with like Guinevere and dresses. And she hated all of it. She's like, no, (laughs) this is not what I wanted. Uh, She also like couldn't get the character's name right. She felt like that's not her name. No, that's not her name. She struggled with that a lot. (laughs) So Karen was out. Right, Karen was totally out. She had it as Helen for a while, was kind of like her name at first. And she's like, I don't know why it's not working. Um, eventually, the character that formed into her mind's eye would become Lynn. Helen became shorter to Lynn, and it's L I N. Yeah. That's my middle name. That's my middle name. Hey! <laughs> Look at that. I feel like we just pulled a Batman. Martha, that's my mother's name. <laughs> 
Um, but uh, so meanwhile, while it was kind of like formulating in her head, she went to nursing school. Uh, she married a military guy and they went traveling around the world and everything. And she ended up in England. Oh, I mean, oh, just darn heaven sent for it. She lived 20 miles away from Stonehenge. So for being a King Arthur obsessed fan and being in England, she would go on these walks and she would just kind of like let these characters kind of play out in her head and and see what scenarios would be. And she was just trying to figure out what would the life of King Arthur's daughter um, actually like look like? What would it sound like? What would it be like? So one day she was uh, taking a walk and she heard the character of Lynn. Uh, talking to somebody else kind of in her, you know, mind's eye about how they were slaves and they were imprisoned away from Camelot. And that's kind of where the story actually took shape. She's like, that's it. I have to get it away from Camelot and show like the darker side of imprisonment and enslavement. Uh, so Queen Morgaz and Mordred are like the half brothers and the evil, like trying to always get King Arthur. So they imprisoned her is how the story actually plays out. So her fight for freedom would actually be her first book called The Firebrand. So that's how the premise kind of came to be. Walking around Stonehenge. Not too shabby, eh? <laughs> I want to walk around Stonehenge and get ideas. Uh, so she was published by Amber Quill Press in 2003. And she decided to, like, take hand copies of her book everywhere that she went. Um, I remember she went on a trip to Alaska and she, like, loaded up her suitcase with probably more copies of her book than clothes. So she could go to the local bookstores <laughs> and get copies of her book around the world. So it was amazing. to, And she always loved local bookshops. So she, she was always dragging me to them. Um so I met her in 2006. She came to my really terrible writing group. I mean, my writing group. <laughs> uh, it was called the Indie Writers Group. I had bookmarks in various libraries all around uh, promoting to come to our uh, book meetings. We had them at Borders Bookstores. Turned out the reason why I'm always so like about the writing group. Psychiatrists were telling mental patients to come and join a writing group and write out their problems and share them with others. And they came to my group. Oh, no. <laughs> we had some very unstable people. And wow. <laughs> so it was great. So that's why I always talk with disdain over my writing group days. <laughs> but once we found out that was happening, I'm like, can I have the name of your psychiatrist, please? Yeah. <laughs> I would like to have a little email discussion with them about Stop sending them Stop sending your to my to writer's group. Right, exactly. Thank you. Uh, your own group. <laughs> so when I met her, she was finishing up the second book, which is called The Recruit. And The Recruit is uh, when her main character actually arrived arrives in Camelot for the first time. So now it's kind of getting to, you know, the brass and tacks of how in the world does she survive within this Camelot universe? She was um, in the writing group because she was really looking for help because in this Camelot universe, there's a lot of characters. A lot of them sound the same. Like they sound like they have the same name and a lot of them in the canon have like the same description. Like it's really hard to separate some of mm. these established characters. So it was, how do I make it true to the canon, but interesting to modern readers who don't necessarily subscribe to King Arthur stuff. Uh, so I was taken by her passion. I had no interest in King Arthur whatsoever. 
I've never seen the Camelot movie. <laughs> I didn't care but you about. You have it. seen Holy Grail. I have seen Holy Grail. Well, there you go. Then you've, then you've seen the camel. Okay, then I've seen. It. All right, then, then I'm set. You're good. Uh, yeah, but I I just loved her passion and her truth to her characters. Um, I thought she was damn funny, and her process was hilarious. She always talked like she was a schizophrenic, even though she wasn't schizophrenic. She's like, Lynn's just not talking to me today, and it always like if nobody knew what she was talking about in Borders Bookstore, it sounded like we were schizophrenic talking to each other. Is what we were doing. Well, maybe you just need to be nice to. <laughs> Maybe just need to play her her favorite music or something. Like, Take her out to a nice dinner. Right, exactly. Tell her she looks pretty. <laughs> it was always the weirdest conversations to outside, but we knew what we were talking about. And we just became very fast friends with our weirdness. Uh, so I read her first book like really, really quickly so I could like catch up and kind of learn as best I could so I could help her with the second book. And I remember reading these like gut wrenching emotional scenes of this girl caught in slavery and being abused by these noble lords. And I'm reading this while my daughter's in Jimboree class. <laughs> so my daughter's like having fun and playing. Look at me, mom. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I'll never forget it. It was just so jarring. But uh Debs and I were pretty much like inseparable like once we had met uh if she had an appearance at a writer's conference I'd go with her to basically be her cheerleader because she would get all nervous also she liked to drive and I didn't <laughs> so that was always nice uh when I started my filmmaking career she came with me to film festivals again because she would drive <laughs> and she would clap very loudly at the end of my films which was very nice <laughs> So that was lovely. Uh, so we gave each other props. Um, I and remember we also, yeah. when you used her house to film. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, dear God. Never again. One time I got to use her house. Oh, she didn't know what she was totally getting into. No. <laughs> But she was so sweet about it. She was very nice about yeah. it. Uh, her husband uh, came home and went, you idiots don't know what the fuck's going on. I'm out. And, then, <laughs> and he went and slept on somebody's couch that night because he's like, I'm not dealing with these film people. <laughs> he and I have the same mindset. Exactly. We bought him a nice uh, jug of whiskey. <laughs> he was fine. <laughs> Uh, but we would also tell each other like the hard truth like if she didn't get something in one of my movies she'd tell me if I didn't get something in her writing I'd tell her and it was we could really be honest creatively with one another she's also the one that introduced me to national novel writing month so she is the reason so she's an enabler <laughs> she's an enabler just like me yes exactly uh, she started in 2005. So she started really early on yeah. with NaNoWriMo's. Um, she got me to join this craziness of writing 50,000 words in one month uh, of November. And her and I, we would write in bookstore cafes. She would always have headphones on. She would have Rush like blaring barely above the cappuccino machine. Like I would hear the cappuccino machine and I hear rush It's pretty much like the two things that I would always be hearing, but she'd be jamming away, listening to music or fingers like a blaze or handwriting. Sometimes it was handwriting when she was really, really mad at a character. Um, when the words like flowed, she was like joyous and like in heaven. She's like, today's a good day. I actually have words. <laughs> uh, but even if she didn't have words that she liked, she's like, it's okay. It's more words than I had yesterday. So like, she really cared about the word count, not about the word quality. Cause she was probably going to change them anyway. <laughs> she changed them quite a bit. She was always excited in Nano because she had this tradition and I know it's in the forums, but when you get stuck, 
there's a tradition of killing somebody with a shovel. (laughs) And the idea is somebody who has pissed you off in that year, you start to write a character that describes that person you don't like in your real life. And then you kill them with a shovel in a very cathartic like way. So she would always Are have that. Are you sure this isn't something that the psychologist <laughs> told them to do? This is quite possible. Yes, exactly. Uh, it's an offshoot you know. of your writing group again? I think so. I think this is why we understood. Uh, but yeah, she would very get very excited of who was going to get the shovel of death that particular year. Wait a minute. Um, that's also a scene for Monty Python. Yeah, Holy that's probably, that is probably where it the came bring from. Bring out then. your dead. Yes, you know? there you go. Okay, the shovel of death. Yes. There you go. She was Both too people. excited about it. If somebody was really pissing her off in the writing group, Jenner, it's like that person's going in my nano like that was our code (laughs) of that person's gonna die this year that's gonna be fun (laughs) uh but her absolute favorite saying in the world was well-behaved women seldom make history uh she had it on her bumper sticker she had it on a t-shirt this was like her favorite saying and motto and she just lived her life to it um, it was the inspiration that, like, she gave me as a friend, too. It's like, don't be well-behaved. Like, totally. <laughs> Screw around. Um, so she would have loved this library. She would She probably would have been, like, the first volunteer in here. But sadly, Debs passed away in 2015. Uh, it was a total shock to all of us. It was absolutely sudden. Last I heard, it was an infection. That just went to all of her major organs oh and she shut down. It was very, very sudden. Like, I'm yeah. like, I'll see you next weekend. And it's like, but yeah. yeah. So it was absolutely very, very weird that she passed away so suddenly. Um, so I will, I don't want to leave on the, you know, oh, she passed away sort of, uh, you know, downer. So I wanted uh, to share this. So Debs really loved writing. And our friend Sarah really liked trips. <laughs> and so Sarah and Debs would always get together with this idea of the three of us should go on a writing trip. We always talked about it. We seldomly ever went. But one year we actually went. We went to Chicago. It was for an extended weekend. And we went to the Right Inn because we were going to go for a writing weekend. And it was the Right Inn. And we Googled real hard. <laughs> So it was in Oak Park and we drank a lot and we wrote a little bit, but we drank a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Was this like Frank Lloyd Wright? Uh, Yes, because it was right across the street from the Union Chapel that Frank Lloyd Wright made. So uh, so we actually went in there as one of our, you know, just kind of like escaping tours. And we were looking at the architecture and they had this huge organ piano that was in there. And it was a self-guided tour because really it was close to the winter and nobody was there. Um, And so we were just kind of sitting in the pews and taking in the scenes. And somebody came to the piano and they started playing with a little help from my friends. And they were playing the Joe Cocker version. And we all just kind of started laughing and looking at each other. Because anytime we were with Debs, like weird, magical stuff like that, like would happen. Like who just comes and randomly starts playing an organ? (laughs) And starts playing some Joe Cocker organ. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that was pretty good. Because it was very much like, wait a minute, are we now in the Wonder Years? Like, because it's okay. the theme song to the beginning of the Wonder Years. Okay, now that you say that, when I walked into my office today, my yeah. husband yes. and his bows had Joe Cocker and I went, it was, I'm telling you, magical shit. Like yeah. that was Debs. There you see, go. See, She's, she knew she I was knew, coming tonight. She so. knew. Yes, exactly. And she knew I was going to be talking about him. Yeah. 
like, wait a minute, that's what I walked into my office today hearing. Exactly. So Crazy. it's just weird, magical uh, stuff like that. She was a very fierce feminist, even though she would never say that to your face, but she was a very fierce feminist. Um, but she would always say she was the keeper of the Camelot tale sort of thing. And she was very much trying to like have that story be remembered. But I thought, you know what? Uh, with the don't let it be forgot, I thought I should share that Debs was my one cool thing. So no. that oh, she awesome. shouldn't be forgot instead. <laughs> well, Katie, you knew Debs. Do you have a favorite Debs story? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I mean, not to put you know. on the spot or anything. Filming <laughs> in her house was, I'm sure, fantastic. <laughs> I just love observing you guys' friendship. You were both so comfortable. We were whether, weird. Yeah. Like, whether she was at your house or... Are you at hers and mm-hmm. like just the love she had for your girls? Oh yeah, too, and them mm-hmm. together. I really can't think of specific moments or, or things that happened because you know my memory is absolute yeah. crap. But <laughs> just you know the sense of love and comfort. So yeah. it's definitely devastating when she passed. But yeah, she was also I guess I should say a major Doctor Who fan. So yes. there you go. So if that gives her any kind of credibility ever, <laughs> <laughs> and she loved Doctor Who. <laughs> Doesn't love dogs. Yeah. I know, right? Love the dog. <laughs> exactly. She's the one that actually got me to, uh, to really like. Oh, Eccleston. Yes. Because people gave Eccleston a lot no. of crap, and she introduced. No, she's I... like, no, you got to start with Eccleston, and I'm yeah. like, okay, and I'm like, why? She's like, because he's fun. He is. He and fun. it was all was about fun. just fun, and yeah. she's like, Doctor Who needs to be about fun to get you started. And then you'll get addicted to it. <laughs> and then you'll watch the rest of it and you'll get into Tenet and all that stuff. But she's like, no, no, no. You have to start with Eccleson. So she got me a really good episode. <laughs> Made me sit there in the Incon room to watch it. <laughs> Did it make you cry? Always. I mean, that guy's fun, but it cries. <laughs> Doctor Who makes me cry. Or makes me think. I hate it. And I hate it when Star Trek makes me cry. I know, right? Because, I mean... I mean Sticks out of nowhere. Well, sometimes, I mean... I hate Voyager, but the one mm. episode when when Tupac takes the the episode where they the characters get younger as they oh, age, right? And he walks them back into the cave. Oh, yeah. I mean, there were like crocodile. <laughs> I was messed up. I mean, I just had to turn off the TV and just sit there for like an hour like, and no. and fall. I mean, like hormonal. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Rocking back and forth. Oh, what is even happening? This is not fun. <laughs> this is supposed to be fun. This is Star Trek. Oh, yeah, the Star Trek one that always gets me is the Deep Space Nine. Uh, there's something going on with the Ferengis where they end up there like, there's something wrong with one of them and they're like stabbing people and I'm like oh my god because I'm so like Star Trek is so it's like phasers and stuff like you don't even think about like violence really very true with it everything's very like a distance with phasers and ships crashing and whatever right but then it's like someone was like stabbing people and I was like oh my god like this (laughs) is like a horror movie (laughs) exactly can you call Ferengi humans Sure, Maybe like all beings, the, all the <laughs> humanoidish. Yeah, that one thing from that one thing. <laughs> you know the thing, <laughs> the thing, exactly. But all didn't right. we get uh, like one of Deb's books? Oh yes, or something for the library? We do. We have uh, both of her books in the library. Let's see if my hey, look at that. <laughs> so we do have uh, book one and two. And believe it or not, actually, that is a fun story. So um, 
I lost my copies because I lended them to a friend who then decided to never talk to me again, but she has Deb's books. Uh, so I ordered some uh, new ones for myself. And then when we were ordering for the library, I'm like, oh my gosh, there has to be oh, has Deb's. To be. Her books have to be in here. And the first one that I ordered was off of uh, Amazon Marketplace. So it was a used copy of it. I wanted to get one, you know, from out in the world and, you know, bring it back in. And it was an autographed copy from Highland, Indiana uh, library system. She had donated many copies to the Highland library and we got one and I called her son (laughs) and I said, I have a copy of your mom's book that's autographed from Highland, Indiana. I feel weird having it in the library because I would never want anybody to check it out. So it's back in the family. So he gave me this copy uh, of his collection that's not autographed. And then I gave him that one. So it stays in the family. I'm not the only one because as the the regional coordinator for you know Jane Austen, mm-hmm. I've had many members who have either passed or retired. Yeah. And then I'm the recipient of all their Janeite paraphernalia. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, I have one of my gals who who's older, she has not passed, but she gave me everything. Oh, gotcha. And it's like all the signed copies oh, of yeah. various Jane scholarship and pastiche mm. and stuff by the authors and some of them are to her name oh know, wow to her personally right and as i was kind of distributing this the basic stuff i kept out all the the stuff that was signed to yeah to her. I think, you know when she dies her granddaughter they might want like it that. yes mm-hmm. absolutely yeah. I, mean, I have and i have a good stack of you know authors who've signed books to me and right and and you know, they're like, well, do you want me to just sign my name? I'm like, no, it's to me. This sucker ain't <laughs> This is mine. Right, exactly. Yeah, this is, yeah. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to put this baby on eBay or anything mm-hmm. like that. No, no, this is, you know, this is mine. So. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, so I have a stack of those and I'm just kind of have a special place. And yes. She doesn't know it, but when the time comes and, and everything, I'm going to, you mm-hmm. know, say, would you like these? Because these were signed to your grandma. Right, exactly. And, you know, I've kind of feel More like, than likely they will want yeah, it. You know, so, kind of, yeah. Again, going back into the family. Yeah. So. I feel like they should be the, you know, the, the main keepers of that sort of thing. And I always, I said to them too, I'm like, if there comes a time where, you know what I mean, you're ready for it, you can bring it and I will preserve it at the library. Right. But until then, this is your family decision and, you know, you can do what you need to do with it. So I thought it was too cute. And now uh, I keep wanting to order more books just for the sake of what autographed ones will come back from where. <laughs> <laughs> Because she signed some funny ass things in some of the books, and I just want to know what's in some of them. So, because <laughs> they're all over the place. So, <laughs> well, that wraps it up for us this week. Join us next week as our next gal pal shares her one cool author thing as Gal's Guide Podcast continues. Thanks for listening. For show notes, links, and images from this week's show, visit galsguide.org. Want exclusive stuff like deleted bits and major bloopers? Become a Gals Guide patron today. Thanks for listening.